I don't get mad, I get even. Anybody in here ever said that? Uh, don't be liars. Don't be liars when you're in church, right? Uh, we've all kind of done that. We make a vows with ourselves, right? Somebody wounds us, somebody hurts us, and um, you know what? I'm not even gonna get mad. I'm just gonna get back at them. I'm gonna get even. They hurt me. I'm gonna hurt them. Um, I it used to be how I lived my life, right? That was kind of the truth that I hold on to. Um, but we've we've all been hurt at one time or another. It's part of. It's part of the cost of living in a broken world, right? It's jacked up out there. And it's impossible not to run into somebody else's brokenness. Um, and I'll tell you this, I mean, the longer you know me, I guarantee you, I will hurt your feelings. I will wound you. I'm abrasive. Um, I don't know how to talk to people all the time. And, and, and so we all have those opportunities, right? To, to carry a wound and carry an offense. Again, it's part of the cost of being in a broken world. And human nature says this, that when we're wounded, we should get back, right? It, eye for an eye, right? I, way before we knew anything about the Bible, we all knew that, right? Eye for an eye, and, and we're going to live by that. And, and, you know, and that's just kind of what we do. I remember one of the, the first times I finally broke away from this. Man, the Holy Spirit had entered my life in a profound way. I got into this altercation with a man. Um, I may or may not have cut him off in traffic and, and created a scene. Um, I probably didn't because that doesn't sound like me. But we get to the intersection in Vertigris. And uh, to make matters worse, at the time I'm working for Walgreens and so I'm wearing a suit and tie and I'm driving my ex-wife or my it was my wife at the time but ex-wife a uh, pink Ford Focus um easy target I was an easy target um this man who's like 250 pounds comes up and he just socks me right through the window um the guy that I cut off and to my shock you know here I am and so um allegedly I pulled out a knife um it just went on and on long story short I get pepper sprayed um <laughs> not by the police. Uh, and uh, um, I go to jail um, and he goes to jail. He has more money than me. It cost me $2,000 um, plus some other fees. And he was way less concerned about that money. But um, I found out where he lived. Yeah. Um, and um, old me, old me. And, and this is where I struggled. I had a kid at the time and, and the Holy Spirit really entered me. And um, some people that know me from the past can probably attest to this. I was like, I'm going to burn this dude's house down. Um, and that doesn't sound very pastoral, but I wasn't pastoral back then. Um, and, and I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my $2,000 out of what he has. Like, I'm going to do it. Um, but man, God intervened, thank goodness, because I'm not in prison doing life for murdering him and his family. Um, but, but that's kind of like the mindset we come from, right? And that's a real thing. And then the Holy Spirit enters this. You're like, that's the most jacked up story I've ever heard a pastor tell. I know, it gets worse around here. You guys just stick around. Um, <laughs> But, but that's what we do. And we fight to get even, right? Because people aren't going to take advantage of us. They're not going to hurt us. They're not going to wound us. They're not going to get away with that, right? That, that's the mentality. That's the attitude. And it's instilled into us from a young age. And then we grow into adults and we carry it with us. And it's such a broken point of view. It's such an ungodly point of view. So tonight's message is titled this, Fighting the Right Fight, the Fight to Get Even. And that's the fight that we want to fight, right? We want to fight to get back at people. We want to fight to get even, to make them pay for what they've taken from us and the ways they've hurt us. But that's not the right fight. That's not the fight that God has called us to. We want to fight the right fight. So what I want to talk about tonight is wrath. I want to talk about wrath. I want to talk about anger. I want to talk about unforgiveness. I want to talk about those things that push us to those places to make stupid decisions to, to damage our lives far more than we damage the lives of those around us, all in a quest to fight to get even. 
I want to talk about wrath. Wrath is defined as a strong feeling of hatred or resentment with a desire for vengeance. Everybody who's divorced right there said amen, right? We've all been through that. Uh, <laughs> it's the wrong fight. It's the wrong fight. Um, a more familiar term, again, is unforgiveness. And so God has called us, though, to turn the other cheek, to forgive 70 times 7, right? Not, not to behave in a way that seeks to level the playing field. Instead of fighting to get back at those who have hurt us or fighting to hold on to a grudge, we should be fighting to be meek and forgiving. And as a man, the word meek, um, I don't like it, right? There's nothing masculine about that um, at first glance. In reality, there is, right? It is so much more difficult to be meek, right? It's easy to hate and to be angry. It's easy to exact vengeance. The masculine thing to do, the difficult thing to do, men, is to humble yourselves and be meek in the face of adversity, in the face of pain. And women, same thing, right? That's the, that's the godly thing to do, the difficult thing to do. And that's what we should be fighting for in our lives. Romans um, 12, 19, Romans was written by the apostle Paul to the church in Rome. Um, he says this, he says, dear friends, Never take revenge. And again, this is through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God. And so this is the word of God. Here, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. But the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Not says Aaron, right? And that's what I want. That's how I want to write myself in there. And I know many of you do too, right? It doesn't matter who we are. Even the gentlest of person finds themselves in those situations where they want to get back at people around them. They want to hurt them. My wife is so sweet. Um, she never does that. But everyone else, you know, get, they get in those places. I'm, I'm done picking on you, honey. Um, Proverbs 20, 22 says this. Don't say, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. So, so we have God, Old Testament God too. That's eye for an eye God, by the way. You know, right? The one we'd like to quote. Now, what does he say? Uh, he says, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Um, and then New Testament God, same God, by the way, not different gods. Like we want to um, kind of pretend. Both of them say the same thing. Vengeance is mine. It's not yours. It's not your place to exact revenge and to get back at those that have wounded you, that have hurt you. Um, is it's not your place to get even. That's not the right fight. It's our job to act in humility. It's our job to be forgiving. It's our job to, to be meek. Um, and it's our job to love those around us. And so tonight, I wanna, I wanna share three points with you, of course. And what I wanna start with is how we should handle conflict, how we should handle conflict. We're going to be in James, James uh, chapter one. James was the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, he was the leader of the Christian church, basically, um, in the Jerusalem area after, you know, Jesus you know, was crucified and ascended and left uh, the, everybody with that task. But James one, verse 19 says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. Say quick to listen. Slow to speak, say slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Say slow to get angry. Now, this is one single verse right here that would change every marriage in the room, right? I mean, come on. Um, I can't tell you how many conflicts I, I do have with my wife that if I would just shut up and listen, or um, if my wife would 
listen. She, she doesn't need to shut up, but, uh, right? If we would just do that, if we just listen to people, just listen to them. So slow to speak, if we'd be slow to speak or uh, quick to listen and slow to speak, just that right there would change the dynamic so much. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Uh, I have a temper. I'm not proud of it. Um, it, it's a ridiculous weight I've carried all of my life, and it's in a much better place than it used to be. Um, but um, this, this is hard for me. It's hard for me, and I can't tell you how many times that I've jumped the gun on something where I misunderstood what they were trying to communicate, and I jump into a place where I want to be defensive, or I want to be right, right? I've got to be on the offense so they can't get me in a place where I have to be in defense, and, and so I don't actually listen at all and I jump right to speaking and being angry and 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 that's not how we respond in these moments and and point number one is this we must be quick to understand and slow to respond right we must be quick to understand and slow to respond especially in moments of conflict right especially in moments of offense that, that we don't know where they're coming from we don't know what they've been through and just understanding that for just a moment here's what I know uh hurt people hurt people right we know that if somebody is doing something to you, it's probably not because they have something against you personally. That may be a shock. You're not actually probably that important, um, especially to the person that's offending you. The guy at Walmart probably doesn't even care who you are, right? The person who cut you off in traffic, they don't know you, right? And not everything is a personal affront on you as a person. It's not because they dislike you or any of these things. It's probably because they're having a difficult time. You're angry about your bills? Guess what? They probably are too. Economy sucks. Pay's awful, right? You're upset about your children stressing you out and you're at the ball game and that other person on the other team's getting in your face and you're gonna go get in their face because what are they doing? They're probably having the same problems with teenagers you are, right? All teenagers are awful, right? Yeah, I mean, we have to take time just to begin to understand. Not my, not my kids, not you. Not you, Emma, you're wonderful. Um, <laughs> We got we to gotta understand where, where people are coming from and take time and, and consider that. I guarantee you that if your life is hard, somebody else's is hard too. If you're struggling to keep it together, if you're on a hairpin trigger, somebody else's too. For the same reasons you are. Maybe worse reasons than you, right? And so we need to arrive at this place that we're quick to understand and if we're quick to understand, we've also got to be slow to respond. This is what I found, um, that if I take a day, if I take a day tomorrow, the, the big gigantic thing that, that I want to hurt somebody over, make a big stink about, it's not even important tomorrow. You ever done that? You ever taken a day? I find the more that I do this in life, Take a day. And I'll tell you the thing that taught me this the most. Um, live free, guys. I'm sorry. It's not against you personally. Um, but as I opened a men's house, there was a lot of things that would go on. Um, and there was times that I would just want to um, like stab one of the guys in the throat and ask the other 11, like, if I give you a month of free rent, can we hide this body together? Um, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, good deal. I got one. So, uh, <laughs> The, the more that I learned, though, that, you know what? Not everything, not everything requires my immediate response. 
And if I listen to everything that's taken place, and then I wait to respond, and I go home, and I pray about it, think about it, and sleep on it, my response is totally different. I go from wanting to throw people out and cut them out of my life and, and burn everything down to, man, I want to journey with you. Like, I'm from a place of understanding. I know with my wife that um, when we come back and revisit things later, right, say, hey, this is getting out of hand, right? Jerry Springer's getting ready to show up with camera crew. <laughs> Let, let's come back to this tomorrow. We don't even care the next day often, you know? It's like, what was that about? What was that about? And so we need to arrive at a place that this is our response to come. It's not about getting even. It's not about being right and exacting revenge in that moment. That's not how we should respond. We must be quick to understand and slow to respond. Quick to understand, slow to respond. He says this in verse 20 and 21. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires right? Like, who would have thought? Who would have thought that um, the, the anger that I blow up on people with does not resemble God's righteousness at all? We want to. We want it to, right? Like, oh, man, again, like, um, Jesus flipped tables and whipped people, um, you know, but no, no, it doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. That, it's not godly anger when we react in wrath. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Now, I want to point out something here. He's talking about anger, right? And up here in verse 19, he says, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And then he talks about human anger, and it doesn't produce God's righteousness. And so then he says, so get rid of filth and evil in your lives. Well, what's the filth and evil he's talking about? That unrighteous anger. That's evil. Get rid of that filth and evil. Have you ever likened it? To, to a place of, of evil that, you, that you're coming from, that, you're, that you react to your spouse in, your children in, and people in the church with. Get rid of this evil and filth in your lives. And this next part, humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls, soul being your mind, your will, and emotions, right? And, and so the reason that's in there is because, again, I mean, as we'll see in a little bit, the word of God has some things to say on anger, and wrath, and how we should respond to people. And those things at face value kind of suck, and they're really hard, and I don't like them. But when we submit ourselves to them, it, it rescues more than our spirit, but our soul, who we are. So human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. And so point number one, again, we must be quick to understand, slow to respond. Let's look at Ephesians, um, Ephesians chapter four. Um, and for our next point, we're gonna be in verse 25. This is still in your New Testament. This is still from the apostle Paul. It was written to the church of Ephesus. Um, he says this, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we we are all part of the same body. And don't sin. Say don't sin. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Um, that second part's really hard, especially for us married folk, right? Uh, sometimes you just want to go to bed. Uh, but I want to point to that, that first kind of part in there. And don't sin. Don't sin by what? Being mad? No. Being, being mad 
is an emotion. God's given us the emotion of anger to a degree. And there's a righteous anger, right? Um, when I see children abused, there's an anger that wells up inside of me. That, that's the righteous anger of God, right? There, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, and so not all anger is sin, but anger can lead us to sin. And so don't sin, don't sin by letting anger control you. And so anger itself is not a sin. It's what you do with it that becomes a sin. I'm known and again, I'm not proud of it. I'm known for explosive temper. Every time I, re- I behave that way, right? It takes control of me. Every time I know for a fact I'm sinning. I, I do something with it, right? I talk to my wife in ways I shouldn't. I talk to my children in ways I shouldn't. Um, my punishment is done with the wrong heart, right? And, and things of that nature. It, it's, it's letting anger control us that becomes a sin. So anger is not a sin or a problem. It's what we do with it. When we react explosively and we fight to get even, um, we fight for revenge, it's sinful. He says this in verse 27, for anger gives a foothold, say a foothold, foothold to the devil. So when we sin, we let anger control us. It leads us to this, where the enemy is able to get a foothold. Some translations say a stronghold. Um, I've always likened this to like um, a pillbox that you'd see like uh, in, in wartime, right? Where you've got um, kind of the nest set up. It's an armored position point. Um, you know, if you've ever, you know, if you've been in combat, man, I salute you. I have not. But, you know, when I've seen that depicted and you've got a gunner position, sitting there and mowing things down with a machine gun, right? It, it's difficult to get to once that's set up and it's entrenched there, right? It's not an easy thing to overtake. Anytime we see that, uh, that's what the enemy does with anger. Anger allows Satan to place those things in our mind and in our heart, strongholds, defensive positions that even when we wanna go back and deal with the offense, right? And decide that was stupid. I shouldn't have messed that relationship up enemy's got a stronghold. You know what? I should go forgive my wife or um, I should go ask my wife to forgive me. But the enemy's got a stronghold, right? It's more difficult to that point. Pride begins to get in the way, right? Humility is really hard. Once we've made such a fool out of ourselves, it's much easier to continue to go down the road of just, you know, being a butt and and just locking it in. I'm just going to burn it all down at this point. And so anger gives a foothold to the enemy. And so we need to understand what anger can cost us. Anger can cost us control. Anger can cost us control over our lives, over our actions, over the direction that we go. I can't even, I can't even begin to count how many times this has been an issue in my life where I've exploded and I've done something incredibly stupid all because I allowed the enemy to have a foothold there. I, I didn't deal with my anger properly. It became wrath. And, and in all of that, it became sinful. And, and it took control of my life in different moments. And the stupid things I've done, relationships I've damaged, people I've hurt. And I know that I'm not alone in that, right? And so we have to realize we can't fight that fight. That fight's too costly, it's expensive. We burn too many bridges. We hurt too many people. It doesn't do anything but leave you alone, right? Isolated. And so if we're going to fight the right fight, we have to fight to be humble. We have to fight to be meek. Anger 
can shatter communication and tear apart relationships. It ruins both the joy and health of many. And so sadly, people tend to justify their anger instead of accepting responsibility, right? You made me mad. Anybody ever said that? Right? You don't have to raise your hand. I get it. I mean, it's embarrassing, right? Everybody's hand should be up, right? We've all done that. I wouldn't have done that if you wouldn't have done that, right? I called you that because, right? And so we have to realize what anger costs us. Stop making excuses for it. Fight the right fight. Fight the act out of a place of forgiveness, humility, and meekness. So let's look at Luke. Luke 6 and verse 27 as we uh, look at our last point and begin to close here. Uh, Luke 6, 27, it says this. Um, it says, but to you who are willing to listen, and just to give you some context here, this is Jesus speaking. Um, and so not only this inspired scripture, but this is God in a body, son of God, incarnate speaking here directly. Um, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. That is hard. It's hard, right? There's no other way to put it. This doesn't come easy to anybody. And you know what I found is, is God doesn't call us to, to do easy. He doesn't call us to things um, that come naturally, right? Because, you know, what comes naturally is us acting in sin. <laughs> what God calls us to do is leave those things behind, right? And to, to be more like him. And so he says, you are willing to listen. I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. This is where we get the term, turn the other cheek, right? Now, I'm not saying if somebody corners you outside, threatening your life, that you just need to let them, you know, beat you to an inch of your life or kill you, right? This is not a self-defense verse here. It's a verse about conflict, about offenses we receive in our lives, right? It's a verse about you don't have the right to get even, you don't have the right. God says vengeance is mine. It's not your place. The, the only thing you have the right to do, the obligation to do, the thing that you're called to do is turn the other cheek. When it comes to offenses, right? When it comes to how people hurt us emotionally with their words, the things they do. It says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If somebody demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. It's hard to see opportunity in offense. Right? It's hard to see um, what, what godly thing can come out of when people wound us and hurt us and do us wrong. Um, again, the right thing to me often is the wrong thing, right? To hurt those who hurt me. But it's not what God called us to. That's fighting the wrong fight. And so point number three is this. We need to look at offense as an opportunity to love. It's an opportunity to love. It's an opportunity to be the visible image of Christ. You know, when I think back to, to Jesus being crucified, again, we have God in a body, incarnate, son of God, said it himself in scripture, could call it legions of angels, but chose to do nothing 
even through all of that. Why? To carry out the greater plan and purpose of God. We're called to do the same. We're called to make disciples. We're called to reach people for the sake of the gospel. And you know what? Your wrath hasn't ever saved anybody. Your wrath hasn't made anyone's life better, not even your own. Your wrath and your anger doesn't make your family better, doesn't make your marriage better. Where's the justification in it? What good thing has it brought about? What joy has it brought to you? And I get it. I was wounded. I was abused. I mean, my anger became my armor. And all it did was keep people a million miles away from me, including God. It's not what we're called to. All of those things, every offense, it's an opportunity to love. It's an opportunity to love. Don't make vows with yourselves to get even. When somebody hurts you, don't say, man, you just wait. I'll get you. Don't make vows with yourself. Make vows made to love, to forgive. He says this in, in verse 32. If you love only those who love you, why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get any credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get any credit? Even sinners will lend money to other sinners for full return. Right? It's, it's easy to be good to those that are good to us. And we do it in the name of Jesus. I'm a loving Christian. I love the Lord. You know what? I go around here at the church and I, I treat many of you really great, right? And I do love you and I do care, but that's easy, right? You know what's hard? It's hard to go home when my kids are taking me off and I'm tired and my wife wants something from me and I just want to be selfish. And then something sets it off, right? It's hard to love in that moment. It's hard to love. It's hard for my wife to love me when I'm being a royal pain in the butt, right? And it's difficult for her to journey with me. It's hard for my kids to honor me when I'm screaming at them and mistreating them all because of whatever's happened through the day. That's the times that we're called, again, not to wrath, but to love, to be gentle, to be meek, and those difficult moments when, when people are, are being hard, when you're cut off out there, possibly by me. I don't know if Nate's in the room. I cut him off on the way to church today, and I had to apologize when I got here. Right? That's hard. It's hard to, to look at the person that's possibly your pastor who sped by you and be like, God bless that man. You know? That's hard. It's hard. We have those opportunities. And we have to learn in those moments, especially those moments, those are opportunities to love. It's opportunities to love. It's an opportunity to be the visible image of an invisible God. And so again, point number three, look at offense as an opportunity to love. I want you to do this. Um, I want you just to bow your head, close your eyes. I want you to spend a moment with God right where you're at. And I want you to think about your wounds. But I want you to think about them as missed opportunities, right? Not the pain and the hurt, but as missed opportunities to be the face of God. Maybe it's in your marriage, right? Where you spoke from a place of anger and hurt, where you could have been gentle 
and humble and showing them Jesus in your marriage. Think about your children, missed opportunities where you've exploded in rage, where you could have acted in humility and been meek and maybe ministered to them differently. Coworkers, neighbors, strangers. Think about the missed opportunities because you were fighting the wrong fight. And think about how things could be different if you began fighting the right one. Father, I just thank you. God, I thank you for your word. <laughs> even, even though it's so challenging for me, God. I thank you for your truth, Lord. And I thank you for the opportunities to turn the other cheek and to forgive 70 times seven. Lord, I pray that you would help me. God, you know how weak I am in this area. Lord, how much I struggle. Lord, you know the heart of everyone in the room. How difficult it can be, God, to let go of offenses, to let go of our false right to get back at those that have wounded us. Lord, help us. Help us to forgive, to be merciful, to be forgiving, to be meek. God, to humble ourselves, to fight the right fight, just to be good to people and to love them especially the ones who don't deserve it. And Lord, I pray over anyone in this room tonight that's carrying a wound or an offense, that's carrying unforgiveness, hatred. Lord, I pray over those places that you would break the, the bondage in their hearts, in their minds, God. We pray over those strongholds. Lord, again, your word says anger gives a foothold to the devil. And so, God, we pray that you would break those strongholds in the name of Jesus, that you would free them, that you would free them from them, God, and allow them to operate from a place of grace and mercy. We thank you for being faithful to us, God, for loving us, especially when we don't deserve it, and helping us, God, to fight the right fight. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. And I closed this and I shouldn't have. I got a couple action steps for you because around here, we don't want to be just hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. And the first one is this. When feeling angry, pause and evaluate. Say evaluate. Evaluate the circumstances. Examine yourself and ask why. Um, again, I've said it before. You guys should notice by now. I'm a big fan of self-evaluation. Um, every moment <laughs> it would be much better if we would just pause and think about what's going on. And so when you're angry... Ask yourself why. Number two, ask God to help you respond biblically and take steps towards spiritual health. Don't respond in a way that the world justifies, right? What culture says is okay, God almost always disagrees, right? So we need to respond in a way that's biblical. And number three, the only way out is to surrender your anger to God. It's the only way out because... You don't get to get even. You don't get to get back. Vengeance is his. And so we need to arrive at that place where we just let go. That's forgiveness, where we say, I'm no longer going to try to force you to repay this debt to me. 
I'm giving it to God and I'm letting it go. And so we have to learn to surrender to him. You know, all of this, when we talk about fighting the right fight, again, I look back to how angry I was and how bitter I was. And I know this, that if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit working in me, I wouldn't be able to move forward on this at all. And so it, it begins, it begins with the relationship with Jesus. And so if you're in here tonight and man, you've never made that decision, you're probably sitting there thinking, Pastor, how can I do any of this? Like, I'm pretty ticked off right now. And I'm just telling you, it's, it's the relationship with him. And so I wanna encourage you that if you've never made that decision, it's the greatest decision you can make. And it's about so much more than, you know, just dealing with your wrath. You know, it's about eternity with him and, and salvation and, and being saved and recognizing that he's the only one that can save you, right? So if that's you, here after I'm finished, we're gonna have some people up front. They would love to pray with you and for you so you can make the greatest decision and that's to become a Jesus follower. If you're in here and you've done that, you've gotten off track and you wanna know, can I, can I come back, right? Can I, can I reconcile with God and, and man, just come back to the family? Absolutely. If you need to recommit, you need to recommit. God's just waiting on you. He hadn't held anything against you. You left him. He didn't leave you. And so if that's you, uh, we would love to pray with you and for you so you can recommit tonight. And then maybe you just need a white chip. I say it all the time. It's a piece of plastic, but there is something powerful about when we act in faith. And so when you step out of your seat and you're uncomfortable because you feel like everyone's watching you and you come down here and you grab one of these just because, man, you know God's gonna move in faith and do something big. I think God honors that. And so if, if it's time to let go of something, right? Maybe it's a relationship that, that was broken a long time ago and you're carrying a wound. Maybe it's something you've done or was done to you or maybe it's something completely unrelated, but you know you need to let go of it tonight. These white chips are for you. There's a blank space. You can write the date on it, what it was, whatever it is. It's just for you, a reminder that you handed that over to him to deal with. And so I want to encourage you again, come pick up a white chip tonight. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. And if you're in here and you want somebody to pray with you, we would love to pray with you. This is a house of prayer. And so for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip or just to receive prayer, I wanna encourage you to step out of your seats and to come down front and join us. If everybody would, stand to your feet as we close in worship.